episode three, part three. How about series one, part three? I like that. We mentioned last week on Dose of D, uh, doing like a little four-part series uh, of, of each topic that she comes up with. Kind of upset her a little bit because I mean that she was going to have to do some work with us. She realized that she loved the challenge of doing so. <laughs> yes. And we yes. got back. We're here. Part three. Big D, Donna Fisher, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You're you're keeping me up late. It's 9:30 start time on well, recording this tonight. You got this. You got this uh, hotty toddy there with you. I mean, you're doing all right, getting that throat cleared yeah, out. Yeah, but you know, but you know, uh, my neighbors all say that I'm actually living on Pacific Coast time because I do things late like this. You know, because right. la- last night I had a I had a business call at nine o'clock, you know, my time, because it's one of my West coast coaches. So it's all good. We, we it's operate all good. I'm pumped. We, we primarily operate. We function better in the evenings. Uh, yeah. But what also makes part three, a special episode is we have a special guy with us here. I kind of threw him under the bus last week. I may do the same again this week. Probably deserve, but the the quickest uh, coach to win a game at St. Mary's, Minnesota. I don't know if that's real or not, but I'm going with it. Sure, it's very possible that that could be. But you hear him every Thursday night. You hear him on your podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> it's Nick Rizzo. Thank you. That was that was the nicest reception I've ever gotten anywhere ever. So I'm really really excited about it. Yeah, I don't think I'm. I don't know if I'm the first coach to, or the quickest coach to ever win a game, but I'm probably the first one to win one in April because of stupid COVID. So that's I I, I probably at least got that going for me. That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, Big D, I, I saw today that we had uh, somebody reach out um, because they had just started episode one, and I saw you have responded. Uh, to his, my big man, John, um, I'll pull that up real quick. Yes. Um, because he had a, a great statement. Um, just always send stuff in to us. It's at chat soccer's S O C C R or at Donna Fischer. Uh, but our man, John Schaefer, uh, he said, just listening to episode one, amazing insight. Nick as an emotional coach. Also, I like the idea of trying to communicate in a calmer manner when frustrated. I can tend to be turned up to 100 all the time. Can't we all? Um, so just kind of going over and you respond to him like, Oh, you thought episode one was amazing. Wait till you hear episode two. Episode two. <laughs> uh, and the thing that I loved about it was, um, I had told, uh, Donna, Nick that, you know, the first episode she did, you know, typical, you kind of, you, you pick at it. Oh, I think I should have done this, should have done this. And I was like, look, they all get better from here. The first one's always the worst one and they get better. <laughs> we did, we put the second one out and Donna's like, that one was so much better. And I was like, I'm telling you, it just takes a little time. We, we get the chemistry and everything get going right. uh, and, and it, and it all connects. So, you know, Donna, so this kinda, one's going to be fire. This one's going to be off the chain. It's off the chain. Uh, so Donna, you know, kind of recapping uh, last week, we talked about, you know, emotional intelligence from an athlete's perspective. Uh, so for, for those that may, maybe just like John, who's only listened to, to one, uh, you know, kind of recap uh, that, that athletic perspective about emotional intelligence. Yeah. Well, thoughts, thoughts and feelings impact our behavior, our next actions. And so an athlete, a player, they have, they have thoughts and feelings about themselves in a moment 
uh, you know, if, if they're playing well, if they're playing bad, and they have thoughts and feelings about fill in the blank, the weather, the referee, their, their coach, their team. And so all of this, all of our thoughts and feelings impact our behavior. And is it, is it moving us in a positive direction or a negative direction? And so thus we, we come to this idea of emotional intelligence and it's, you know, we went over in, in part one or episode one about really kind of just unpacking what it is. And in a nutshell, emotional intelligence is self-awareness and self-management. So being aware of your own emotions, you know, how they get triggered, triggered specifically what emotion, and then how, how do you want to manage those so that you don't get derailed, et cetera. And they affect, right? It affects yourself. It affects the people around you. And then the other, the other piece of emotional intelligence is the social awareness, relationship management, which is about the, the other person, the other people. So recognizing and influencing other, other people's emotions and then helping them manage those also. And what, you know, we, we kind of, uh, the first episode we did coaches at perspective, the last one, the athlete's perspective, this one, we're kind of doubling up just a little bit. Yeah. Um, but kind of starting off with the players what are things you know for for maybe maybe there's a coach who's listening to this now they listen to the last one like yes i want to try to help my athletes ei as much as possible what are some tools that they can use um to give to their players uh when it comes to the players being able to manage those thoughts and feelings that they may have throughout games or training sessions yeah so a couple specific things i usually start with one is it's called a, a verbal cue. So you've got this player that in this moment is having this thought or feeling right based on a mistake or feedback or something. And I call it the, the speed bump in their performance. They're in their flow, let's say. And they've got to get, they've got to get over that speed bump and continue performing. And so a verbal cue, or I like to call it a power phrase, that's a lot more cool. A power phrase is just I like that, that. Yeah, it's that phrase that they can say to themselves that kind of re-engages them into their performance, allows them to let go of what just happened in the past, right? So whether it's whether it's something personal about themselves. And again, they, I, I usually help guide them in creating it, but it, it can be about themselves and something, some affirmation. It can even be as simple as what's next, move on. Just a, a phrase that's going to click them back in and, and reset. And that, I mean, that goes along with the, the story. Have you heard of having a mind like water? Have you heard that? I'm if you if you ask people who know me, they'll like, say I have a mind like other things. Is it like the Bruce Lee thing? Well, it's from the karate world. Um, and so having a mind like water, basically, so if you're if you're standing in the in the ocean, let's say 
waist high, like right where the waves are going to come crashing and they crash right on you, right? You're at that. That's about my limit in open water. Me too. Me too. I don't go out any further. (laughs) So let's say you're standing there and this wave comes and crashes on you. And so let's say the wave is, is a thought or an emotion. And so it kind of shakes you up. It rattles you around, right? The wave kind of pushes you around. Well, where actually does that water, that actual water go to? Well, it keeps moving. It, it continues on and goes up on the beach, right? So a thought, a feeling hits us and we just need to let it, Yes, we experience it and we can let it go back. You know, we can let it flow through us. And I mean, if you're not an ocean person and you're a lake person, like, we can have the lake story too, right? You're standing on the edge of a lake. It's, you know, a piece of glass. It's very still. And so you take a pebble, a rock, and you throw it into the water, into the lake. What happens? There's ripples. There's a ripple effect, right? Right. So eventually what happens to the ripples? They, they dissipate and the, the lake goes back to balance. And karate is all about balance, right? And that calm state. So again, a thought or feeling hits us and we experience it, but then the ripple effect dissipates and we go back to being calm. Now, the interesting piece about the lake story is, you know, the size of the rock that you throw in the water has a lot to do with the size of the ripples. And a lot of times it's a tiny pebble that gets thrown into the lake and we act like we act like it's this ginormous boulder that has these, you know, ginormous ripple effect in our life when in actuality it's it's a pebble so i i like that spin on that that story too so having a mind like water i'll i'll help athletes with that one thing that i've stumbled upon recently maybe it just has to do with the books that i'm reading but this concept of distanced distanced self-talk so it's actually talking to yourself uh, by you know saying you or using your own name so talking to yourself in what that be second or third second and third I, do, I do this constantly on the golf course yeah well this is what they're this is what they're saying right is uh the 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 research the psychologists they're saying that it it distances you from the emotion that you're feeling. So in the, in this, in this negative moment, you're able to look at it differently, kind of detach from it. And they're showing that people can get through things uh, or, or past things quicker. And so, yeah, I've, I've started utilizing that. I, and I think both that's good for coaches too. Do you call yourself big D? I, I, I actually do. <laughs> I've done yes. that. I literally have done that my whole life. <laughs> well, you know, not when I was a baby, but I mean, right. yeah, I, and especially when, if I'm, if I suit up and I'm in the goal and I'm playing and I make a mistake, 
I I either call myself by my last name or I say Big D. Yeah, Big D. Come on. That's so incredible. Let's go. So yeah, incredible. I give myself some coaching points. So it always worked for me, but I mean, now here's the here's the term and the science behind it. Well, it's it's funny you say that. And I, like I said, I brought up the golf thing. I know it's a soccer show, but I I I feel like that's a I think golf is the one thing where like, I know I'm going to make a mistake and I know it's going to get me down. Like compared to other stuff, like if I make a mistake, mm. I just, I try to go on with it and try to correct it as compared to like in golf. Cause it's such a mental thing that I'm constantly like second guessing myself. And now that you say that, like, I never did that as a player uh, in soccer or basketball or, or whatever, where I would like, all right, Sean, like, let's go or, you know, whatever it may be. But I know since I started playing golf, like, People who play with me, they'll hear me at some point. If I do something, I'm like, come on, Sean, you got to do this next time. Or Sean, yeah. you should have done that. That's really interesting that you, you bring that up because now I'm sitting there going like, oh my gosh, like I do that all the time on the course. Well, I think, I think this is something that coaches can use also in coaching, not, not just for their athletes, but for example, on the sideline, you know, game in a game or in practice. If something is really frustrating you and you feel like you're going to blow a gasket, right? I mean, take a deep breath. And I mean, you don't have to say it out loud. I mean, you could, but it's like, okay, coach, what, what do you want your players to see right now? What do your players need? And so um, you can go, go that route. No, I think one of the things that struck me about what you said was the size of the pebble. Um, Cause we actually had a yeah. player that we were working with a, a few, few weeks ago. So she started the season starting outside back and just kind of had a weird stretch of games. You know, how sometimes like the moment gets really big for players and it's all the stuff that they do really well in training doesn't w- come out in the games. And so yeah. we had to switch who the starter was and we talked her through it and she had an amazing game off the bench and then amazing we could practice, but we didn't immediately switch her back to the starter. And I remember she came in and talked to my assistant, Lisa, and Lisa's amazing. And she was like, I just don't like, I thought I had a great week of practice. I don't know. Like I'm not feeling as confident because of starting is like, Lisa's like, think about the facts of what, have ha- what has happened. How did you feel about your game last week? And she's like, well, I felt really good. I, I, I thought I contributed a lot. That I actually played more minutes off the bench than I did when I was starting. And she's like, and what about every day of training this week? And she's like, well, it felt really good. And she's like, so why does starting affect everything else about your perception? That's right. Like, and so it's really interesting because like for her, the not starting thing was a boulder when it really probably was a pebble at the time, because once she took a step back and really thought about everything that happened, it's like, oh no, actually I should be really confident. I've had a great week of training. I had a great game and she had another good game this weekend and now she's starting tomorrow. And so it's like, it, it like it sometimes is like to get like to contextualize what these kids are going through, I think is really important because you don't want them to necessarily think that a pebble is a boulder. Sometimes a pebble is just a pebble. Right. And it's, it's them getting perspective. Yep. Right. And us and us walking them through that. I mean, Nick, that that's emotional intelligence right there in, in my opinion is, is helping that player. What Lisa did is help that player be more aware of what, what, what she was feeling. And uh, the questions, the questions that she asked, like what, what was the first one? She, I so she, 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 she essentially was just like, well, like walk me through this last week was essentially what she did. And yeah, so 
that so that um, that line of questioning is is called Socratic questioning, right? It's just well, okay, what is the truth here? What what is exactly what exactly happened? And I think we, I think we need to take more time with our athletes to do that because it, it helps. No. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, I, I feel so lucky with Lisa. She's amazing. Um, move on to our next question though. Like, and kind of, I think this actually ties moves off that question pretty well. Is emotional intelligence just about the actual moment when the thought or emotion hits us, or is there something that we could be proactive about before we can even get there? So like, is there something we can maybe teach that player to be proactive about or us as coaches to be proactive about before that maybe negative thought or like limiting belief sets in? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a, this is a deep question. So honestly, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest here. I would explain nothing else from you. <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of the, the mental agility, I would call it these, you know, verbal cues, just um, the, the things that we help the players get past the moment, they're, they're kind of a, a, a band-aid on the moment, right? And I mean, and I teach that stuff. I mean, it helps, so I'm not discounting it. But the, the core question here is, what, what is the depth of their belief in themselves? Because if truly down deep inside at their core, they don't believe in themselves. They don't uh, have that deep self-confidence. What, what they do in the, in the moment, it might help right then, but long-term, you know, sustained belief in themselves, it's, it's just, it's, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to be sustainable. So, so Michael Gervais, he's the sports psychologist, performance coach for Seattle Seahawks and yep. like the, the high end on in all different sports. He just recently did a podcast with Ryan holiday, I believe. And they were talking about this idea of the athlete has to work on themselves in this idea of self-discovery. Are they doing a deep dive into is who they are as a person. That's the proactive piece, Nick, that I think we can help athletes with. They need to ask themselves some deep questions that, that have to do with, okay, do they understand their meaning, significance, their meaning as a human being, their significance as an individual, their their own beliefs, their, their own values, those enduring character traits about them that are consistent in all areas of their life. Like a lot of people can't put their finger on, on these things. That, that to me is the, the strength, the focus, the foundation upon which everything else goes onto. And so if I have a deep, if I have a deep belief in myself, self-esteem, a solid self-esteem, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot easier. So for example, one thing I'll do with athletes is, uh, 
consistently, mostly athletes I work with, I have them write a truth list about themselves. So it, it's, it's theirs. I, it's, there's nothing that's right or wrong. So that write, write five, six, seven, I mean, 10 truths about yourself, obviously on the positive side of things and have some of it general about life. Some of it can be about the game and then read that every day. Why not? And so that, that to me is a, a part of a, something small that is a proactive approach to, okay, let's get this person, let, get, let's get this athlete rehearsing truths about themselves that they can let soak in and really grasp. I mean, can you imagine you did that for 365 days a year, right? I mean, so I have my own truth list, right? And you just, you, 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 I, I put it on my mirror in my bathroom. So when I'm brushing my teeth, that's what I read. Truths about myself. Because I need it. I need to remember those things. Um, we, we all do. And so. I, I like that because like my wife will do little post-it notes on our daughter's mirror. Yeah. So when she wakes up, there's like, really, it's like her like to-do list of things like okay. to do before they leave. But like she always like, like one of the last ones is always something about like, you're amazing or you're smart, you know, something like that, like, kind of like that reaffirmation. I don't even know if that's a word, but like that reconfirming yeah. uh, of like, Hey, this is who you are. So I guess that that kind of goes in with, with a truth list. I mean, like take away like yeah, the to-do list stuff, but just like that, that constant reminder of who you are. And can you imagine if she, sh I mean, I think it's wonderful to, to come from somebody else, but then for that to just come from inside of her is I am amazing. And, be yeah. and believe it. And another, another one is that, that I have a lot of my young athletes do. I mean, young as in 10, 12, you know, 14 years old is I call it a cleat trigger. And I shifted it from a door frame trigger. I read somewhere the suggestion of, like every time you walk through a door frame, which think about how many doors you walk through, just saying I'm valuable or I am enough. And that, that rehearsal and that speaking into your own life, how that can help. So I, I have my kids do a cleat trigger and they pick the phrases, but it's, you know, put on, put on one cleat, whether, whether, whether it's their cleats or they're going out uh, to train on their own, just go running or, or whatever whatever footwear they're putting on, they say, I'm great, dig deep, whatever they want to say about themselves. And it's, it's consistent. It's the same thing. And so that to me helps, helps that foundation, that foundational piece outside of the, the moment of the challenge or problem. Right. And, you know, we also, Last time we kind of talked about, you know, this infinite list of thoughts and feelings uh, that they can have that can impact their behavior kind of going on. You're talking about like every time you put your cleats on, you're saying these things to kind of trigger that, mm -hmm. that thought process and that behavior that can come from that thought process. What are some examples uh, of situations where EI is written all over it, uh, but we as coaches don't get to see it or we don't, we, we miss it because we don't recognize that. 
Well, I think it's one thing that like what Nick just, just brought up is this idea of starting or not starting and playing time and the meaning that is attached to this, this, this label or the, this, this situation, this event, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, emotion is there <laughs> when those kids, you know, in a, in a college setting, when those kids see up on the board, the, the lineup, there's emotion going on inside people, right? When, when your name doesn't get called, uh, when your name does get called, you know, when you're on the bench and, you know, or at the end of the game, whether you've gotten playing time or not, there's emotion there. And I think we, we just, we just expect the kids to be able to, to, ha- to handle it. Um, uh, it's, it reminds me of a story way back in my career, probably, I don't know, gosh, 07, 08. I was walking in the locker room and had had a senior goalkeeper. She was going into her senior year. And so it, it was June, it was in the summer. And I just started chatting with her and she, she just started to cry. And I said, what's going, what's going on? And she so desperately wanted to be the starter that coming fall. I mean, everything was about starting and I, she was, she was a very good goalkeeper. I mean, I could easily say that we had two, two starting level goalkeepers, but I pretty much knew that it wasn't going to be her. She was going to be second string, but I didn't, I didn't fix it for, I didn't just kind of throw that truth on her and, and walk out. And I didn't lead her. I didn't lead her astray either. What I did is I sat down and, and listened to her and let her cry. And then I talked her through, okay, if you put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, you know, when you get to the end of your senior year, uh, you know, November, when you get to the end of your senior year and you look back on it, what, what is going to make you say this was a success? And if everything is riding on the fact that it's about starting every game, when, when you get there in November, you may, be, you may be disappointed. What if you're disappointed? So I started talking through what are other what are other things that are going to make this season successful for you? Like, let's, let's start discovering those items, uh, just other, uh, you know, other, uh, other stuff. And so I think the starting playing time is, is a piece. I remember another story where emotional, emotional intelligence was written all over it. So I had a, a player that, she was complaining. She was frustrated as a captain and she was, she was frustrated with let's call her Susie. <laughs> Susie doesn't care. Susie doesn't work hard. You know, Susie, Susie, Susie doesn't watch soccer. You know, she doesn't watch soccer. So it, she doesn't, she doesn't love it. 
as much as as much as she needs to. And I mean, this captain was worked up about it. I mean, there was emotion there. And again, I had to talk her through this idea of, hey, it's okay that some one of your teammates does not love the game as much as you. And she just could not understand that. And so I, I mean, she just thought everybody should be, should, should be the same, should be, you know. And so we had to define commitment and what that looked like. And I said, she doesn't have to love it as much as you. She does have to fulfill and live out the things and the standards that we have for our team. But it, you know, it, it, it's different. And, and just the, just the, the peop, it's the people business again. It's getting this kid to understand that not everybody has to be like her. It's the same thing as, co- as coaches. We, we expect everybody to be the player that we were. And they're not, they're not. <laughs> and there's emotion in that too. It's like, right. What's, as a coach, Nick, myself, you, anybody who's listening to this, we've had, you know, these, these conversations the last couple of weeks now from a coach's perspective, from an athlete's perspective. Now thinking about both those, what is one skill that we coaches need to get better at across the board? Empathy. Empathy. Empathy is a sign. It's a, it's a sign of a highly emotional, intelligent person. And I like Simon Baron Cohen's definition of empathy. He's a psychologist at, and fellow at Cambridge. I always think you say Sasha Barakoan every like, single time. Literally the first like, thought that came to my head. Really? Literally the first thought that came to my head. <laughs> and uh, so he, he says empathy is naturally tuning into another person's thoughts and feelings and the ability to share their perspective. And so I think of, I always have, have pictures in my mind. I think of the old school radio, right? So you, you're, you're turning on the, the, the box radio, you're turning the dial, you're moving the needle to catch the station, to tune in. And sometimes, sometimes there's static and you got to move it a, just a hair more, you know, to get the clear station. Such an underappreciated talent too, by the way. So, I mean, that is, that is, that is empathy. It's the leaning in, the tuning into really really hear and understand somebody else's thoughts and feelings regardless of whether you agree with them or not it's 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 the the skill of doing that and and empathy is is a skill we can get better at it it's a trait i would say it's a it's a trait that some of us have and we can learn to become, become better at it. What do, what do you think we get wrong with it as coaches? Well, I think, I think sometimes there's this myth out there that, sh- you know, showing empathy or offering empathy is, is weakness. And quite honestly, I think it's actually, it's a strength. It's a strength to be able to be intuitive enough to 
put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Um, I think we get, I think we get it wrong because there's, you know, the myth that maybe it's, it's not a, it's, it's not a guy thing. I think, you know, it, that's more the emotional relationship, you know, is, is, is not, a, is not for guys. And so I think a, a handful of coaches is, could, could be there. I think it's a, it's a person thing. It's, it's for all of us. And then there, there is this myth that if you empathize with somebody that you're agreeing with them and that's wrong, you can empathize with somebody and say that you under, you understand how they could feel this way. And that, that, I mean, that's the comment that I use because I'm, I'm very specific about the, the, the words that I choose because you don't, you don't necessarily want to agree with them if you don't, but you can say, I understand how you could have that perspective and how you could have that feeling. And can you consider, uh, you know, X, Y, Z. So I think, I think diving into the topic of empathy and really understanding it is, is a skill that we can get better at as coaches. Sure. Have you seen Ted Lasso yet? I Say knew that, that was happening. The, like the, the TV, like the TV show, Ted Lasso. No. Oh, change your life. Like, I think you're like, especially with what you're talking about in terms of like the empathy and stuff, like, it seems like the big message of that show is like a lot of things you're talking about that, players and organizations inevitably come a little bit like their head coach for better or for worse. And he is like a person, like he's a coach. He's a football coach coaching in football an American football coach coaching soccer in England. Yes. Also, we have to add, also we have to add that Ted Lasso is Jason Sudeikis. Yes. Okay. And he has a mustache. It's a great mustache, but it's like one of the best shows of all time. But like, I think, again, he has no idea about soccer, but like it's it like that part is I think you would like just from a social science perspective, I think you would really enjoy it. Okay. All right. So check it out. Change your life. <laughs> um, uh, I like guess my last question oh, is hold like, on, hold on. I, I, I forgot. I got to throw Nick under the bus. Okay. Uh, kind of talking about that. <laughs> so, you know, last one we talked about Nick did is 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 doing the bench cam and he was like, oh, look at our celebrations and notice how I just go and tell a player about we need to start pressing high. And I brought that up because you were talking about how like a play, maybe that player who scored turns around and, and seeing the whole team celebrate and then sees yeah. Nick talking to someone else that they could take that the wrong way personally. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe it was Nick thinking like, Oh man, like I probably should have done. Yes. Show me celebrate, you know, let me celebrate. Now that message that I want to convey to you is important. And so Nick put out a new video from this week <laughs> of his team scoring. And he's like, uh, I, for, I forget the verbatim of, but it was about, you know, him kind of changing his celebration mode and they score the team, you know, celebrating Nick does a nice little like fist pump and then goes like right back to work hollering. And so I, give him credit, I give him credit for actually like acknowledging the goal this time. Yes. But you hyped me up on this, like almost Soderling esque goal celebration. And I felt let down. <laughs> So the most embarrassing part about the celebration, no one commented on this. I was really excited about it because I don't know if anyone knows. I high five myself. Like I, I, I literally like, if you watch the full celebration, 
I fist bump. I go say to my assistant. And at the time, unfortunately, we had just scored with 17 seconds left in the game to tie it up. And we were rocking a, it was like a, it was like a three, three, four formation at the time. So like not a formation that was good. to (laughs) So my center back yells at me. She goes, coach, are we switching back? And I, like at the time I was like, survive for 17 seconds. We'll change it back once we, we get past these 17 seconds. But Sean is 100% correct. Like I go and like celebrate. And then like my center back comes to me and she goes, coach, what do we do? Like smart enough, like realizing we were playing an outlandish formation to try to get a goal back. But I, I did immediately go back into coaching mode, but I did celebrate slightly more. I don't have Sean celebrations. Sean, Sean, Mario, and uh, Kai Edwards have like these epic celebrations, and mine are like golf, like Tiger Woods fist bumps. But hey, high fiving yourself! I love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm stealing that. that you know, uh... so it it reminds me. So Mel Robbins, she encourages people to high five themselves in the mirror. Uh, Nick, start doing that. High five yourself in the uh, mirror. Okay, so it's not as I'm not as embarrassed now that this is like socially acceptable. But like, watch the video to the end, and I literally like you. I come to myself, and I literally like high five myself. <laughs> I, it's it's. I, I was really you were clapping about, to like, get attention or something. Second, I thought you were like clapping to like. No, get watch where my head that is. It's literally. Fo- <laughs> it, no, watch where my head is. It's literally focused on my own two hands high fiving themselves. <laughs> Now, see, I, now here, this will make you feel really good. I it, it's around this time. I think that it pops up on my Facebook memories. Um, I was coaching a high school game. We had just scored and we had a, a thing where uh, my assistant coach and I would always like do some type of little like uh, handshake or, or dap, whatever. Yeah. And we score and he walked towards me. I walked towards him. I put my hand out and he just like talks to the players on the bench and then walks away. And I don't know what to do. So I just like <laughs> air shake the hand of no one. And one of my players recognizes, cause at first they didn't get it. And then they realized like, oh man, like coach McKiska walked away. Another player gets up, gives me a high five and sits back down. And it's just like, oh, okay. Left, left me hanging there. So yeah, now we know that Nick high fives himself and it's socially acceptable. Now's the part I, big D was really looking forward to this. of the three <laughs> of us Grilling ourselves. So we got about 15 minutes. We can do this. So big D, what are questions that we have to ask ourselves to assess our own, your own individual emotional intelligence? Yeah, wow. Well, so why don't I throw these questions at at you and Nick right now? Prepare yourself. I don't don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Okay, so here's the first one, guys. I'm scared. Ask yourself, you got to ask yourself, do I understand why I feel that way in this particular situation with this particular person? So the why, the why behind a feeling, can, can you, can you answer that? So part of me is thinking along the lines of what Nick had, had kind of talked about beforehand of sometimes you have an emotional attachment and you feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, the way to convey, to get that, whether it's from yourself or from a specific player, uh, to be able to figure out their emotional state or Mm. for yourself. Um, I, I, I don't know if this does, if it sounds egotistical talking about your own emotional intelligence, 
I feel like, and, and I have said this numerous times, like as somebody who battles mental health, like I am now at a point significantly later in my life where I think when I assess my emotions or mm-hmm. like the, my actions of the emotions that I actually believe it as compared to there was a time period where when I would, but I didn't believe what that assessment told me. Okay. I got, okay. Too, I got way too deep there for that question. Like, say, the, say the question again, big D. Well, it's just, so you have, you have an emotion and it's, uh, a- you know, anger. Do yep. I, do I understand why I feel angry in this particular situation? Yeah. You- I mean, I, yeah. That's a good, like, I, I think for me, one of the most important things when I'm going through like emotions, whether they're rational or irrational is having a good support system. Like the amount of times I'll call like my fiance or one of my good friends and be like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling about this. Talk me through it. And, and that's, I think that's, I I think I have a really good support system and I have a lot of great friends in the coaching world and not, and even not in the coaching world. And my fiance is amazing where I like, I would literally like to say like, sometimes like, Hey, I know this might be irrational, but I'm going to tell you how I'm feeling talk me through this. And I haven't, and they're like, she's not worried about hurting my feelings. My other friends aren't worried about hurting my feelings. And but that's because you married a nurse and you, you made a very good <laughs> post about why she, she understands you. No, for sure. For oh, sure. So, so here's one thing I want to go another layer deeper on this one is, so let's go with my example of, of anger. Say, so, well, why, why are you angry coach? You know, right now during the game at this moment, well, because, you know, because they're not, of course I know why I feel this way because they're not doing what we talked about. Okay. That could be accurate, but also is it because you're embarrassed that you're losing right now? Right. So is it, is it anger or is it something, is it another emotion layered underneath all of that? We, we always just go to the immediate, well, of course, this is what makes sense, right? Well, I'm frustrated. But are we taking the time to go layers, layers beneath that and, you know, discover uh, what else it could be? So that's uh, is one question. Another question is this, uh, am I aware, am I aware when and to what degree my words or actions affect others? I would say it's yes and no. I feel like I make a conscious effort towards it, but there's times even like when I'm talking to a player and I'll have them like repeat back to me what I said to them and their perception of what I said to them and what I actually said to them are often not in align with one another. And so sometimes I think I don't necessarily always word things in a way that they're going to receive it correctly. And that's mm-hmm. something that I feel like is something I'm going to, I don't think I'm ever going to get perfect at. I think that's something I'm going to consistently have to work on for the rest of like the rest of my coaching career, because I do think that sometimes what a player hears and what you say don't align even a little bit because they're going to hear the thing that often is like their biggest concern and And often it's not necessarily anywhere near the truth, but like, that's how they heard it. But here's the thing, Nick, is you're, you're thinking about this. You're thinking about the fact that they may 
there may be incongruence. They may not be hearing what you're saying. And so to me, that is, that is a good, uh, that's a good sign that you have emotional intelligence. You're, you're thinking about to the degree of uh, what you're saying affects them. No. And, and, and to be honest, I would love to say like, I'm always happy about it. Like there was a time that was like last week, like me and like my assistant, Lisa, I'm going to, I'll keep using her because I love her to death. But like, I was just like, we had that exact thing happen to a player. I was like, how do I like, and it was like, almost like not like pure frustration, but almost frustrated. Was like, how do I say that any differently to make them feel, to understand what I'm saying without feeling yeah. a different emotion towards it. And so I would love to say that, like, I have this great emotional intelligence, but like, there's definitely moments where like, and I'm, I'm not, you've, anyone who knows me, I'm not a person that gets really negative really quickly. So it wasn't like, there's more frustration of like, crap, like how does this keep happening? And so I would say that that's something I, like, I still need to work on a little bit to probably not get frustrated at them when they don't get what I'm saying right away as well. Well, here's the thing though, too, is it's, it's going to be different for every player, right? You could have that same situation and it needs to be different for uh, another player. I mean, I, I'd encourage you to, after the facts, you know, talk to the player and ask the, ask that question. How, how could I have said it differently for you to really truly hear, hear and understand what I was trying to say? Like, you know, and ask the emotions that they were feeling, et cetera. So Sean, how about you? I'm kind of saying, except when I realized the message that I was giving out was being taken 20 different ways. Um, Like I had to, you know, ask our captains and our captains, I mean, like, here's what I'm trying to say. And I know that there's a small portion of you, maybe it's understanding that vocabulary or understand what it actually is that we're talking about. How do we get everyone else to, you know, what the way I'm saying it to you all, you get it, you understand it. How can we say that exact same message to where those 20 different ears that hear things the way they want, hear it the same way you do? Um, Because as Nick said, you know, the the frustration is, um, you know, I I use the phrase a lot with players of the definition of insanity is doing the exact same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And that was where we kept finding ourselves was reverting back to old ways of, doing things away. Cause that's just what we're used to. Um, and it was trying to like, Hey, like, you, you know, how do I get you to understand, uh, you know, these messages that we're relaying and, you know, it was, it's still a struggle. Uh, yeah. and I think that comes from various playing levels. I think that comes from various coaching levels that the kids have yeah. been part of. Um, so I, I, it's something that, yes, I'm consistently working on, but I also don't know with those, lower quality players. I even hate saying that, but like, you know, toward the, the bottom of a roster who don't really understand the game as much as maybe that top half of the roster. Right. It, it's try Cause I, I want to just be able to say one message. I don't want to have to say the same thing in eight different languages, right. different ways, because if I say it in eight different ways, maybe one other person overhears it and it confuses the way they heard their version. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, don't make it rocket science either. I, I cannot know, make anything rocket science. It's hard. Yeah, as I pick, <laughs> pick one. I would say pick one and go with it. And then you have to talk to individuals, you know, where you need to. Uh, here, here's another one. Can I calm myself down when I'm upset? Absolutely. 
Oh, nice. And, and, and depending on the situation, how, how do you do it? How do you do it? Oh man. Um, so my, <laughs> my, my, my wife will definitely say this, um, with me and my history, um, certain things, it does take a little bit longer okay. to get back into normal, Sean. Um, but I, a lot of it is the self-talk Yeah, talking myself through the situation. Uh, and typically while I'm doing the self-talk and you're probably going to laugh at me for this and I don't care what kind of heat I get from people. Um, my wife will tell you, she always knows when I'm upset because she'll Mm. get home and, uh, the, the joy of painting with Bob Ross is on TV. I, for whatever reason, I, I think I want to say it was when I was in college. Um, I I had talked to somebody who's like, Hey, like, do you like Bob Ross? Like, Oh yeah. They're like, you should really watch that to like reel yourself back in and think to yourself, like about what has you upset and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, and not like, I don't have anger issues more. My, I just get sad. Um, but, uh, I I do find myself if I'm doing the self-talk or if it's something that's significantly deeper, um, than something I can't like self-talk myself out of. I turn that on, I watch it. And that allows my, I don't know, there, there, there's, there's something, something about, about it, it that like yeah. triggers the ability to actually have a real conversation with myself. So I, how I mentioned yeah. before about like, before I could try to have a self conversation, but I wouldn't believe what I was telling myself. That sounds really yeah. bad to say. Um, but no. there was something, there's something about that, that, allows me maybe it put maybe it's my happy place like freaking happy gilmore it's my happy place i can go to and it allows me to truly believe what i'm saying um but also to allow me to realistically evaluate what it is that i'm in okay i would say definitely not like i definitely would say absolutely like i can i'm a lot more that's good I'm, i'm definitely a lot more um if i was upset gosh seven years ago. So like right mm. before Quinn was born, you would, you would visibly see it, but wow. I, I think it's because of kids, mm. my own children that, yeah. um, I've now got to where like very rarely will anyone ever see me upset. Like most of the time yeah, it's like, interesting. No around yeah. and it's just kind of, it's me and Bob Ross chilling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nick, how about you? I, can you, can you calm I, yourself down? <laughs> um, I, like, is any, if anyone's kind of seen me, like, I'm also, I'm not. Nick super, doesn't get worked up. We've seen his celebration videos. There's no reason he gets worked person. up. <laughs> um, so, like, I would say, like, if I do get worked up, it's definitely, like, in the moment, it's very internal. And then, but I am, I'm one of those people that has to talk it out. And, like, there's, there's other people that I know, like, like, need their space and just time to work it out themselves. But as more of an extrovert, I need to. Again, I'll bring up my fiance again. We handle being upset very differently. Like Kelly just wants to go off by herself and not talk to anyone for a little bit. Or like she, she can have me there, but like she doesn't want to talk it through where like I need to like work through every possible scenario of what happened or why it's happening in my head. Um, well, not in my head, out loud. Um, everything that's happening right. in my head, I need to work out out loud. So I would say like, I don't know, maybe, but like, I also don't get upset a whole lot. I shouldn't say that everyone gets upset, but like I'm, I'm not a super excitable person one way or the other. Um, and so 
I, I, I probably need to work on it because I imagine when it happens, I'm not as good about being able to calm myself down because it doesn't gotcha. happen super frequently. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Did, did, did we stump you or did you, did you think no, yourself like, I mean, wow, you, these guys got some, you, some screws You want loose. some more? You, I yeah. got more. You we, we, more? We got, yeah, we got a little time. We'll go extra for this one. That's fine. Okay. Uh, so another one to assess your own emotional intelligence. Can I adapt to change? Uh, look at Nick's face. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm horrible at change. Um, really? Yeah, I think... Like we all have things that we're really comfortable with. Like I'm the, I'm the guy that goes to the restaurant and I like one thing one time and I'm going to order that exact same thing for the rest of eternity because I know I like that. And I don't necessarily, <laughs> I don't feel the need to try new things because I know I like that. And so I don't think I'm particularly good with change. I don't feel like I'm unadaptable by any means, but I would okay. say like, yeah, no, I'm not great about change. I like, I like having consistency in the things that happen to me day in and day out. But you can pivot if you need to. You can adapt. Honestly, like the best thing we should, the thing we should have done for this is brought my fiance and Sean's wife on the show and really like that. They, that would have <laughs> yeah, probably been a true, <laughs> they, they would have probably had the real answer for all these things. Um, oh. But I don't know. I'm also like, yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I go with the flow pretty well too, I guess. I don't like, I don't need things to be, I, I like, if you tell me a schedule in the beginning of the day and the schedule doesn't go exactly how that schedule goes, I, it doesn't really affect me. I, I feel like I go with the flow, but like, oh, okay. I also do love, I love consistency. Like it is so yes and no. I feel like I deal with change. Okay. Sean. Again, I think as a parent, you have to be able to. Oh um, yeah. Changes I, everything, right? Yeah. And I, I think too, in my I feel like maybe in my life, my experiences from as a child all the way to now, 36 years old, of experiencing change in so many various things, experiences. And I think that's what's allowed me, like my wife was saying the other night about like, I'm very, I guess I think you use the word adaptable, um, you know, being able to pivot. Like I can do that. She, on the other hand, can't, Um, you know, she's very much structure here's a schedule, here's what's going on. And if there's change to that, um, you know, I'm typically the one of the four of us in our house. That's like, Hey, like, it's okay. Like yeah. just go with it. So I, I think for me, um, because I know how I am, like if I'm excited about something and like really, really excited about something and then it changes where like, maybe it's postponed or it's whatever, like I know that I could get really, really upset about that. And I've seen myself get upset about things like that. And I'm able to look back and go like, you know, like it's not worth getting that upset about. Like it's going to happen mm. at some point. So yeah. I think um, I, what I was able thank God I was able to do that before I had children. Uh, and then once children came along, you definitely have to learn to, to pivot. Uh, and I think that's what uh, I'm going to steal a phrase from my old 1980s wrestlers, not just not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, something that my wife has talked to me about was my ability to pivot during the pandemic when it started, mm. you know, here's a time where you can't get on the road for recruiting. You can't do this. You can't do that. Uh, you know, we as coaches, we can't do this. And, you know, I'm, I know I wasn't the first, but here I am setting up zoom calls and Skype call or Skype calls and doing virtual yeah. days and, and getting our campus to, you know, hop on these zoom calls with me and, and basically 
take what we do on our campus, but do it on a virtual setting. Um, you know, and, and to her, she mentions like, that's, that's being able to look at the situation that's changing and still be able to do what you're trying to get accomplished. Uh, so yeah. I would definitely say that uh, I can, I can, I can, I go with change. Okay. I also kind of like spontaneity. Spontaneity. Why am I using the spontaneity? Spontaneity. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I kind of like that. I'm not like a like. I don't like. Not that I don't like surprises, but I kind of like when things just kind of flow. Yeah. Yeah. Go with the flow. flow yeah, yeah. Going yeah, with yeah. the flow is much more my style. Okay. So here's the last one. Am Am I able to listen without jumping to judgment? I think that's hard for everybody. It is. Yeah, I think. Um. I, that's, I, I, will, I will say that is something that I do constantly, not want to say battle, but I do try to do more, especially now. Practice and get better at it. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think that's something that, <laughs> as a parent, again, like, you know, I hear of something going on at school with, with my kids, like some other kid doing something to my kid. I'm instantly in like dad tiger mode and I'm ready right. to rip somebody's right. limbs off. But I have to go through the whole, like, take me through the whole process of what happened. Maybe there's a, you know, an email from a teacher or something, take it all in and then, you know, make my, my way from there. But um, yeah, that I, I definitely think that's something that I, I do try to like practice all the time. Cause I, I know I'm not the best at it, um, but I tr- do try to do it often. Well, I think sometimes too, as coaches, we're, we're fix it people. Right. We're so it's like we got it. We have to fix things quick. We got to. So we assess something. uh, We don't always listen maybe to the whole thing. And then we're we're make we're making a judgment on it. And in certain instances, yeah, we we have to slow down. Nick, how about you? Yeah. I mean, I would say like as probably a lot of people experience, I in the moments I think jump to judgment occasionally. Like I, I, I feel like it, like, I don't know if I necessarily like act on it, but like if I'm talking to a player, another coach or things like that, I think sometimes you hear something and you're going to immediately have preconceived notions about it. Um, but I think one thing that I think helps me and could help other coaches is I said it before. And so I'm going to sound like broken record, but like, having a good support system to talk through those mm-hmm. judgments, I think is really important because, and again, Lisa, my assistant's amazing. And my fiance and Shandonino is another great friend of mine. Who's also a coach who like, I call them and I'd be like, Hey, this is what happened. This is what I need help with. And it, it was great the other day. Cause even like me and Lisa, like had this emotional reaction to something that happened. And then we called my other friend, Shannon Mm-hmm. And said, hey, this is how we're feeling, but we're so closely tied emotionally to what is happening. Yeah. What is, what's your thoughts? And she came up with a thought and it was funny because she said it and I hung up the phone and immediately we're sitting on a couch right next to you, like right across from each other. And Lisa goes, she's right. And it was yeah. like, yep, she's right. And yeah, sometimes, like, sometimes you just need that person to give a little bit more perspective. Yes. Because we're naturally going to be emotional about certain things when you're like anything that's worth talking about is difficult to talk about. And, and so I think that having those people in your life that can kind of bring you back to where reality actually is, is just 
it like for me personally, it's crucial because I can't, I'm not smart enough to figure it all out by myself and not necessarily always, I, again, emotionally mature enough to figure it all out by myself. I need those people to help ground me and bring me back to where things actually are. Well, we're just because we're, we're stuck, we're stuck in the moment, right? Like you're saying, you're, we're, you're closest to it. And so I think of the, there's an analogy I I use a lot. So if, if you've, you know, been to an art gallery where there's, you know, these huge, huge, huge paintings, they take up, they take up an entire wall almost. And if you're, if you're standing right up, you know, a foot, a foot say from the painting and, you know, like, what do you see? You're looking straight ahead. Like, what do you see? You see probably a, a four inch by four inch area of the painting, right? And you see colors and uh, textures and certain brush strokes. But that's all you see is that one area. Do you have a do you have a clear picture of what you know w- the full picture of what's going on? And in order to do that, you you need to go to the other side of the room, right? We need to, we need to back up, and sometimes I call it you know going to the thirty thousand foot view. And when you step back to the other side of the room and you look at the whole picture, it's like, oh, this is what's going on. And so perspective is, is everything. Well, and sometimes it takes time. I, I mean, like for me, and, and not that you don't know this, you're the one that's educating us on this, but like for me, we had an incident, about, I think it was a week ago where like a few players came in, we were dealing with something within the team. And I kind of had, I, I maybe asked like, or said a few things that, probably were a little bit unfair to the players. And then five hours later, I brought those exact same players in and be like, Hey, listen, I got this wrong. This is why. And, and I think that it helped me to gain their respect a little bit more where it was like, Hey, like that was an immediate emotional reaction to what was happening five hours later. Hey, I got this wrong. This is what I think. I, I, I don't think everything I said was completely wrong, but in the context of what I was saying it in, probably could have been said a little bit in a better, clearer way. And, and how did how they receive that? It was amazing. We had the best practice of the year right after that. That's like awesome. it was that's awesome. It was <laughs> like I remember because we were worried about practice all day because of something that was happening and it ended up being probably our best practice of the year. That's awesome. Yeah. So again, we're like kind of close this episode like at final thoughts about what, what we spoke about today and kind of other things that we can get excited about for next week when we get you back. Yeah, I think just final thoughts would be, you know, again, I want to be clear that this is not, this is not about not having emotions and not, not feeling uh, that that's a, it's a part of our humanity. It, there's a reason why we have thoughts and, and feelings. And it's, it's about choosing what's best for you in the moment and what's best in, in leading yourself well, right? And emotional intelligence is not something that we can microwave. It's not, uh, it's not something quick, I think, that we can get better at, I think, over time. And just it's a skill that we can practice and... Uh, just remembering we're in the people business and people have emotions. So we've got to coach the person and then coach the player. It's big D dose of Donna Fister, our new soccer chat, uh, mini series 
whatever you want to call it series. This is part <laughs> three. Uh, you know, we went with the, the coach's perspective on EI first one players perspective on second one. This one kind of mixed it up. And as we said in the last episode uh, for part four, we kind of want to review and, and wrap things up with emotional intelligence. And uh, we want you to send your questions and go ahead and send those to us on Twitter at chat soccer, S O C C R, or you can send them over to big D at Donna Fisher on Twitter. She's also got a very public website at Donna uh, with her very public email address on there as well. So if you got questions, you can send them uh, to, to big D over there. Donna, are you ready for the series finale of emotional? Series finale is, is going to be the bomb. It's going to be the bomb. I like it. I like it. Donna Fisher, hit her up on Twitter at Donna Fisher or go to her website. Siri, I'm not talking to you. I don't know why Siri does it on my watch sometimes. Like I was like looking around my room. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what is that? What is that? <laughs> you can find her on Twitter at Donna Fisher or go over to her amazing website, DonnaFisher.com, where more than just here, you can always get your daily dose of Donna Fisher.